Welcome to Madam's Hoes and Gigolos, a podcast about the history of sex work and the historical events surrounding sexual revolutions. I'm your host, Heather, and with me is my friend, Connor. Together, we've created a bi-weekly podcast discussing all topics in regards to history and sex. Today's topic is International Sex Workers Day, and we're joined by our friend and our new co-host, Anthony Bedgood. Yay! <laughs> Hello. Did- Hello. Thank you for having me. And uh, Thank really, you for joining us. I, you know what? I, you guys um, put it out there, and uh, I'm so glad that you did because the very next day I was going to ask you if I could join, so it just made... <laughs> You're one of us easier. Yeah. Thank you. You don't need a therapist anymore. Now you just have this podcast. (laughs) You just got to be fully honest. And I I feel like I am going to start revealing things and not even realize what I'm unpacking. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you think of your artwork? Uh, I think it's very, um, uh, it's very, it's, it's beautiful. Did, it's did you guys, very representative of how I look in real life. I don't know if you guys noticed <laughs> that uh, our podcast cover artwork has changed because we now have a really tall and buff third person. Na- yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I voted to have him fully clothed. I feel a little intimidated. Um, but... <laughs> well, it, again, in, in real life, most people vote for me to be fully clothed. But maybe this character... <laughs> Can have his shirt off it as looks much as he likes. Really good, and it's actually very, very accurate. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I'd like to thank my my good friend Tammy for doing our cover art and adding Anthony. And um, when I post, I'll certainly tag her because I know she is available sometimes for commissions. But I'd like to give her that shout out because she does an amazing job. Our artwork is amazing. Yeah, I love seeing the whole process too, from the sketches. Right. To the, the finished artwork. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. And and her work is, is fantastic. It's fun. It's it's really professional looking. So thank you, Tammy, as well, from from me and making me look uh, somewhat decent. I appreciate it. <laughs> Channing Tatum, watch out. We got bed good now. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we looking at here? Heather brought in some snacks, and this says uh, Goldfish Limited Edition. So these are like the actual like gold... Goldfish. Well, they're not released yet, but what happened was last year, my daughter had tweeted the goldfish company and said, hey, do you guys have any spicy goldfish? And they tweeted back just recently and said, as a matter of fact, we're developing. Give us your address Who is and we'll Are we allowed you. to say the name of the, is it? Is it Petridge Farm? Pe- Pepperidge Farm? Is it still? We're not I know that it special. used to be. I don't know. I, don't know. I know. It used to be Pepperidge This Farm. is a collaboration with like Frank's Red Hot. So it's like, you know, right. it's like spicy hot Cheetos and hot Doritos and hot everything. So this is my their new hot goldfish. Yeah, I they're just, not, just, it's not even out yet. And my daughter being, you know, my daughter was able ooh. to schmooze something. This is not sponsored by the way. We no, just, this is just a, hey, this. this isn't released yet. My daughter used her skills and let's try this. I'm gonna obnoxiously crunch it in the microphone. <laughs> this is now an ASMR podcast. <laughs> oh my God, the girl that eats the pickle drives me nuts. Like in a good way? That's a thing? No, no. There's a girl on, online that either she's typing with long nails or eating a pickle. And it, I, those sounds trigger me. So as I, got... I hear it, I'm triggered. <laughs> I'm like, who am I punching first? <laughs> we need to put that on, I think. But I'm, I don't know. It varies from goldfish to goldfish, whether I like it or not. I like it. Some really? of them are really it... good and some of them are like, eh, Wait, you're only bite. eating one at a time? Is that, is that not helpful? What do you do? Yeah. I, I, I eat a bunch at a time. No. Yeah. I'd, when you eat jelly beans, do you eat one at a time per, 
per color, or do you just take the whole bag and? No, just one. Oh, no, I, you know, that's the only thing I believe in um, segregation <laughs> with <laughs> jelly beans. Oh my God, I think I'm the monster here. Well, okay, you know what? I, if, if you did it in a smart, calculated way, like if you knew you wanted to combine a strawberry daiquiri with like a lemon lime or something like that, I can understand that. But you don't want to take a chance on mixing a black licorice with a popcorn or something like that, right? Oh, I, I wasn't even thinking of the, the the jelly the jelly belly kind because those are too expensive for me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Give me the 99, $0.99, cent, you know, store brand at Target and... I'm just throwing them well, all in. Well, that's a good point, because in that case, who cares if you mix up yellow, green, and red? Because <laughs> they all taste the same. <laughs> yeah, I'm tasting all the dye anyways. Mm -hmm. I just don't like purple. I'll eat black, but I don't like purple. I have so many things I could say. <laughs> <laughs> that. And they're all well-deserved. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we think? Because I, I can smell the red um, goldfish. What is the it, consensus? I'm going to give it a any? thumbs up. I've had a. I've been eating them for four days. I'm gonna give it a thumbs up. I think it's. Um, I dig it. Yeah, it's. You know, my my three year old is a major fan of the goldfish. Okay, but brand. not but not red hot <laughs> spicy stuff. So I'm yeah, he. I don't know. He he he's hit or miss with spice. Um, but I don't think he'd like that one in particular. But because it's so got I, a kick. I eat a lot of goldfish. And there's a lot of them on my um, the backseat floor of my car. So, <laughs> but this one feels like an adult version that I get to enjoy that he doesn't. Would it pair it well out. with a beer? Oh yeah. There's not many things that don't pair well with beer. I don't drink beer. So. I used to think like, you know, sweets, but you know, beer and cake is fine. Oh, it works. All right. <laughs> so we're talking today about International Sex Workers Day, which is coming up. And, June second. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so yeah, let's let's get into this because this is something that I think a lot of people, myself included, don't know a whole lot about. Okay, so women belonging to one of the most marginalized and stigmatized categories of society, sex worker, dare to unite against police repression and question the government with a publicly presented list of grievances and demands. On June 2nd, 1975, sex workers occupied the Church of St. Nazaire in Lyon, France, to protest against harassment by the police, hefty fines, and inhumane working conditions. 46 years later, sex workers are still fighting for their rights worldwide. That's really brave of a group of people who are sought after by the cops and like targeted to say, here are our demands. Right, to take a stand, right? So let's give a little background to now. Okay. In 2018, Trump has signed a set of controversial bills the U.S. government called SESTA, Stop Enabling Sex Traffickers Act, and FOSTA, Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act. It closed off access to clients, referral networks, and payment for sex workers throughout the United States. Plenty of well-meaning individuals might have sincerely wanted to stop sex trafficking, as the name suggests, Amy Schumer, Seth Meyers, Disney threw in its weight behind SESTA, writing a letter to lawmakers, and so did 20th Century Fox. What the bill actually did was create problems for longstanding safe harbor rule of the internet, Section 230 of the 1998 Communications Decency Act. Okay, so these sound like good bills based on the name, Stop Enabling Sex Trafficking Act and Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act. 
I think who, we're all against sex trafficking. Yeah, who right. wouldn't want that? Right. 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 And they had a lot of heavy hitters, but it was very misleading. So one of the side effects is that this affects other people that aren't sex traffickers right. in a pretty negative way. Exactly. And people weren't realizing that because of the way the bill was presented. So basically, the internet service providers were a safe harbor, and they were able to basically be held liable for these acts of sex trafficking. They would be held responsible. So um, SESTA and FAFSA are are different, and what they're doing is they're addressing what's going on here. So according to Section 230 of the 1998 Communications Decency Act, that actually created kind of a safe harbor for internet service providers to operate as intermediaries without fear of being liable, right? So they're right. basically saying, hey, we didn't create this content. Someone else created it. We're just hosting it here. Mm. Not our fault, not our problem. And then that's kind of the basis over like, you know, that 4chan, 8chan sort of thing that's being talked about in a lot of documentaries right now that I'm currently watching. Mm -hmm. So it just allows them to say, hey, you know, we're just providing a service. We have no authority over the content that's being given. Right, correct? we're not censoring it or whatever. And so I think that SESTA and FOSTA, their idea is to kind of um, counteract that and say, no, you do have kind of an obligation to take care of things. By the way, is one of the documentaries that you're watching Into the Storm? Oh, of course it is. Okay. A fan, phenomenal documentary. I, did, I highly recommend it to anybody who's interested. Did in you know it. that that was directed by one of our classmates? No. A fellow Viking, Colin Hoback, class of 1999 um, has wow. been a documentary filmmaker and uh, actually produced a few things that I've seen on Netflix and HBO and they're all really good. Well, you, you mean we have more celebrities coming out of our high school, our alma mater than just what Ashley was Tisdale and, and, uh, and Jacob and Taylor, Taylor Lautner. Taylor Lautner. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Shane Vereen. Okay. The NFL and football star. Yeah. And Man Manny uh, White. Naya Manny Rivera. White. Yeah, we got a few. So my question to to this would be, what are the unintended consequences of this, quote unquote, helpful bill? Right. Okay. So FOSTA and SESTA, I guess the unintended consequences is that it requires these web host companies to, once they're responsible for the content, they're just not going to make themselves available. So what FOSTA and SESTA has actually done it created confusion and immediate repercussions among the range of internet sites as they grapple with the ruling in the sweeping language. FOFSTA and SESTA create an, an exception to section 230. That means the website publishers would be responsible if third parties were found posting ads for prostitution, including consensual sex on their platform. So basically the website would be held accountable. Right, so if you remember Craigslist used to have their other, you know, casual encounters or whatever, where you can say, "Hey, I'm looking for somebody to do this." Yes. And I um, mean, what, what was that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now they can't do it because you know, what if prostitutes are using it for solicitation? And it was actually the the implication of or the activation of these specific laws that stopped Craigslist from having that section, that, that singles and romance section. Yeah, they yeah. got rid of their whole uh, personals marketing platform. Even Backpage. Backpage was known for, right. for this, and then Backpage was dismantled for this. And Craigslist, they were, they got by, but they dismantled it. But for a while, they didn't even, they didn't outwardly speak about make deals they always said okay 100 roses like their their terms for money was with roses very discreet yeah and, and so people that were using like instagram accounts and websites used 
hashtags, right? Instead of prostitution, they would say like stripper or performer or even writing instructor, which is, is that a euphemism? I mean, if, if it's, if it's going to work, well, I technically wrote this episode, so. <laughs> and you're available for writing, instructing. Right. All these years, I thought I was actually asking for a writing instructor. And yeah. I just wanted to learn about verbs, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the aftermath of SESTA, a bunch of websites, they couldn't really control or censor everything, so they just took it away completely because even though the websites weren't necessarily used for prostitution, they didn't want to run that risk, so they just took it off completely because maybe somebody on Craigslist was looking for somebody to maybe have a friends with benefits relationship. I actually know a couple people who have found relationships off of Craigslist. I'm not one of them. Well, no judgments either way. It was utilized by people I have known. So, but because it was too much of a liability, Craigslist said, nope. So sex workers were being criminalized and forced to hide. But what this was doing was creating a space for law enforcement to document and gain evidence about illegal activity for sex workers who would be using the internet as a tool to vet and choose clients and advertise how they would do their work safely. I don't know. It's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because, you know, nobody wants illegal sex trafficking and what happens to these people who are put into these situations. Um, At the same time, stigmatizing, you know, sex work and allowing... Uh, access into people's lives who are, you know, we're, we're pretty liberal about the um, the idea of sex work, right, in this room. Right. It, it sounds like it's just <laughs> consensual sex between two adults. Two adults. Like, what's the problem? Um, and, you know, again, I think we could be spending our, our time a little um, productively than busting into a hotel room of two consensual adults, you know, and, and, and really like actively looking for information on where we can find these people and where they're doing it. Like it's not hurting anybody. So setting up sting operations, you know, we're writing and legislation and we're, 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 you know, letting police <laughs> really, it, it put a lot of their time into sussing out this, this, this wrongdoing, but is it, it's a waste of money. It's a, it's a waste of our time. Right. If, if they want to do this, then let them do this. So this forced sex workers onto the streets to find clients. Sex workers had fewer safety precautions in place and no ability to pre-screen clients and no way to ensure that their work was safe and in secure locations. The bill also integrated consensual sex work with non-consensual sex work and by doing nothing to differentiate the two various kinds of sex work and the related content between the two. So they didn't even explain what consensual sex was and what non-consensual sex was in the in the legislation. You guys have done your your homework on a lot of these topics. Now, when they say consensual sex work and non-consensual sex work, I mean is that like the difference between like legalized sex work like um I don't the, think the so. adult film industry or erotic dancing or... I think consensual sex would just be someone puts out an ad saying for X amount we can do this thing versus non-consensual sex work which would be like child trafficking or do you actually trafficking. put out ads for child trafficking I think so like We're how do you find for kids to send to Dubai so one thing that, that happened was there's a website called Backpage and they found that they were complicit in allowing ads that found underage sex trafficking and so the idea of FOSTA and SESTA was to curb this type of thing. 
Well, I mean, what's what's the answer to that, Connor? Would you, you know, uh, you brought up a story that we talked about previously about um, visiting another country and and their their laws on prostitution. Um, and I think we see that from the prohibition era for for alcohol is is that when you restrict something or, or take it away completely, people are going to do it anyway, and they're going to do it in a very unsafe way, right? So, is the answer continuing to add legislation that keeps banning certain things, or do we open it up and you know start adding legislation to protect people rather than to you know stop people from doing something that that they're going to do? Yeah, you mentioned the story that I mentioned to you guys. There's a lot of countries, and I think we're we're probably headed that direction. But there's a lot of countries that have legalized prostitution, right? The same way that you know we have states that are legalizing recreational use of marijuana, and for the same arguments where people say we need to tax it, we need to regulate it, instead of just saying it should be illegal and then everybody you know does it anyway, and now it's dangerous, you know who knows. So. Uh, when I was in New Zealand about six years ago, I didn't realize this at the time, but the Airbnb that I booked that was pretty inexpensive was in not a great part of town. And it was like right <laughs> next to this like red light district. And it was like 11 o'clock at night and I went out to get some uh, Mexican food. There was a, a place that had Mexican food in New Zealand. And the, and the decor in this place had like LA stuff all over it, like a, an LA, like a lowrider car and stuff like on the wall. And it was kind of nice. The food wasn't great. I wonder, I wonder how people from Mexico actually felt about that. Like that's not even in our country. <laughs> but, but, well, we've got some of the best Mexican food here in Southern California, right? And they're all off of trucks. Yes, or, true. or mom and pop. Yeah, the little mom uh, taco, and pop shops taco carts. No Taco Bell, as, even though I love Taco Bell. No Taco Bell, no Del Taco. Like you have to go to the hole in a wall shop or a truck. Yeah. So Mexican food wasn't great, but I was on my way back. It's now it's after midnight, very close to my Airbnb. And I see this woman standing on, on a street corner and I'm thinking it's late at night. I don't know her. She doesn't know me. I don't want to make her feel uncomfortable. And so I kind of like walked a big circle around her so that I don't spook her. And she said something friendly like, hey, come, you know, come talk to me. I'm not going to bite. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I haven't spoken to anyone in days because I was in New Zealand by myself just for a few days, just sightseeing. And okay. so... So number one, the first, I'm not going to bite. <laughs> okay. That, you, that, that should have taken him off. Yeah, you guys right know there. where this is going. I didn't at the time. So... Uh, I can already tell you where it's going because yeah. I can hear this. Like, okay, she's flirting. So yeah. yeah so, and, and so... We and just, she's on the, on the street at night so telling you to get closer. Right off the bat... <laughs> So we start talking and she says, I like your accent. And I'm like, me? I don't have an accent. I like yours. And so we're kind of like ch chatting for a bit. And she's like, you know, what are you doing out here? I maybe misunderstood her. And so I just said, I'm just here exploring uh, your beautiful country. And I want to take in all that New Zealand has to offer. And we start chatting a little bit more. She offered me a drink. She had a bag from like a convenience store with some... Uh, like little mini uh, Jack Daniels bottles of like pre-mixed drinks. And I'm like, oh, I don't really, I, I didn't want to turn her down. Connor, I'm getting more from this story now than when we last talked about it. <laughs> I, I thought that she like took you to a bar. No, 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 I it's not a bar. She, she, she had a, like a nylon <laughs> bag with like drinks in it. She bought like a four pack. And so she gave me one. And so I'm, we're just kind of like drinking and chatting. So and a woman chilling. outside at night carrying her own cooler full of cocktails. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and so we're, we're, we're talking for a while. 
and nothing it, seems suspicious. <laughs> and uh, and so I told her what I'm doing in that area, and uh, and I'm like, "What are you doing here? Do you uh, do you live around here?" And she's like, "No, I work around here." And I'm like, "Oh, where do you work?" And she's like, "You know, wherever." And I, I'm still not not getting <laughs> this. And yeah. So I'm like, "Oh, what do you do for work?" She's like, "You know, I just hang out, and you know, people will pick me up." And at some point, I realized right what was going right. on. And you finally click. You're like, okay. Yeah. Okay. I get what you're, okay. And and I said, oh my goodness. Okay. I did not realize, but you know, I don't want to waste more of your time because that's, that's not my thing. This is actually really weird to, to talk to you guys about. She, she, <laughs> she says like, she's like, well, getting your dick sucked isn't your thing. <laughs> And I'm like, you didn't have that to the story when you talked. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I'm liking these extra tidbits. I, I didn't. This is this is a, a way more and intense story. Than she kind of put told. me on the spot, and I'm like, uh, I mean, it is, but I just didn't. I mean, I've never with a, um, I didn't know how to say it like in a not offensive way. And she's like, well, how do you know until you've tried it? And I'm like, well, you know, I I can appreciate that. But, you know, still, you know, thank you very much. And so I just started talking to her about prostitution. And uh, apparently it's legal in New Zealand. It didn't used to be. But in mm. 2003, they um, legalized it for several reasons. I, I think because um, many women who were sex workers. And by the way, actually, it, it was legal before that. Just like in Australia right now where prostitution itself is legal as long as you're operating underneath the guise of like a massage parlor or something like that. Like you can go in there and you can work with somebody, but solicitation is illegal. Like you can't be walking on the streets. You can't be on a street corner, but you can still like be doing stuff for money. It's not, it, it's so weird. Like the little caveats they have to throw on right. to, to legalize something. But yeah, so that, that's how it was prior to 2003. And then like they said, you can you know do what? it in this room, but if you're outside, you can't it's be illegal. soliciting or, you know, like for, for drugs, for example, like, uh, you can purchase marijuana, but if I catch you smoking it, <laughs> so what am I supposed to do with it? You know, it's 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 weird. It's a crazy thing. Yeah, it's you're right. These rules are weird. But after they they legalized it, what they found was that women who were afraid to go to the police because you know maybe guys that hired them were abusing them, um, they couldn't do anything about it. Right. So now they can go to the police. In fact, cops will frequently drive by on the street corners and say, how you doing ladies? Everything okay? Is anyone giving you a hard time? Anything we should be aware of. And they kind of form like the symbiotic relationship where the women are like kind of the eyes and ears of the community. Wow. And and I'm sure they feel a, a fuck ton safer. I don't, I'm sorry yeah. for my use of fuck ton um, yeah, no, as a measurement. But. They, they totally do. <laughs> and I enjoyed talking to her for a while about prostitution and, you know, the laws in New Zealand. So it, was it, was it fully legal? Like completely? it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it they is. can fully solicit legal on the 15, streets. 15 countries. At some point she, I think got tired of talking to me. She said, well, look, if, if we're not going to do it, then um, I'm going to need you to walk away because you're killing off my other business. Mm. And, uh, and so that was, you should have asked an interviewer right then and there. Even after I realized what was going on, I kind of just wanted to walk away and just like, let her be but because she had already like bought me a drink i'm like i guess we have to like stay in chat for a while and oh, uh, we're so too pure for this world connor <laughs> well and, and just so you know the strippers that come to your room in las vegas are not really strippers and i think a lot of people know that but eh, they're they're prostitutes did you say you found out the hard way i did i did um some some friends that you guys actually know uh we were in vegas we were in our younger 20s and 
um, I think it was a bachelor party situation. And the bachelor at that time, I, I don't know if it was out of laziness, like did not want to go to the the strip club. This was like, hey, let's just have strippers come to our room. That's we have these little cards that say strippers to your room. So, you know, we'll drink our own alcohol, won't have to pay for anything, da 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 da. Young guys, not a lot of money. We're thinking, okay, great. This one girl comes to the room, knocks on the door, let her in, and we're like, okay, so how does this work? What, what's going on? She's like, okay, give me my $150. And that was that was the charge. We're like, okay, we're paying $150 for this woman to come and, and be our own private stripper. We give her the money, and then she's like, okay, what do you guys want? Wait, 150 gets you anything? <laughs> no, it just gets her in the room. That's okay. how much it costs for her to cross the threshold into the room. <laughs> but okay, so like, was there a menu for like the different services? Well, that's what we found out quickly thereafter. We were like, "What? What do you? What do you mean? What do we want?" And she said, "Well, the only thing I don't do is anal." <laughs> I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Um, this isn't a classic strip show, then, is it?" And she's like, "No, no, no, honey, I'm a prostitute." Um, usually there should be more women in here. There's like six guys in here. It's making me a little uncomfortable, but I'm here anyway. You guys seem cool. You know, what's, what do you guys want today? Was she by herself? She, well, there was a very large man standing outside the door. Okay. Yeah. I just thought there was like stripper security, right? Yeah. Yeah. So immediately, you know, there's six guys who are, you know, fairly decent human beings that are just like, oh my gosh, um, we didn't know what we were getting into, and now we're all pretty intimidated. <laughs> Even the bachelor wasn't into it. Like no, you guys... no, nobody was into it. No one was like, "Well, since you're here, like we really didn't know," and that really wasn't our intention. <laughs> so, she was very nice. She accepted a beer. She drank it. She hung out. She talked for a couple minutes and was nice enough to give us our one hundred and fifty dollars back that we soon lost at the table. So oh no! Downstairs, and that bouncer didn't get paid at all for the. Uh, no, no, no. no. I, I don't think he was a bouncer. I think that was her pimp. But yeah, um, okay. Well, he was probably. But not I mean, very nice enough, nice enough for for him to not demand the money as well. But yeah, I learned a valuable lesson that night: is that you um, you shouldn't believe everything. Uh, somebody gives you on the streets of Vegas. So you didn't end up going to Deja Vu or any of those uh, other places? I think we were kind of done with the day after that. <laughs> okay. we, the world had become a lot larger and a little more real to us uh, suburban, young suburbanites. I, I want to do another episode, by the way, on strip clubs. Sure I've already that, got one written. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. Well, legalizing sex work reminds me of an argument brought up by one of the greatest minds of our time, I do not understand why prostitution is illegal. Why should prostitution be illegal? Selling is legal, fucking is legal. Why isn't selling fucking legal? International Sex Workers Day is observed annually on June 2nd of each year, which is you know fast approaching. Uh, and this honors sex workers and recognizes their often exploited work conditions. The event commemorates the occupation at Miglese Saint Nazir, if I'm saying that correctly, in Lyon, by more than a hundred sex workers on June second, nineteen seventy-five, to draw attention to their inhumane working conditions. It has been celebrated annually since nineteen seventy-six. I don't care how you said that. I'm pretty sure someone's going to want to put a baby in you when you speak <laughs> that way. <laughs> Just a wild guess, but I feel like someone might say, ooh, when he gets, when he speaks his French, 
I want to put a baby in him. Well, if I knew that that would be the outcome, I probably would have taken French in high school, but. I did. <laughs> For like a semester. Oh my goodness. Me too. Um, did not do well with it. In August 1972, the prostitution market in Lyon was rocked by a scandal involving several local policemen and politicians. French civil servants were accused of receiving envelopes from managers of hotels used by prostitutes in exchange for police protection. And envelopes is in quotes, by the way. You just saw my air quotes. I did. Envelopes. I what, were, what was in these envelopes, do you think? Oh, I'm guessing it was just money paying Bribery. for yeah protection here. Keep us safe. Here's here's payment. Really, I was thinking it was like a just a greeting card. Really? Like, yeah. Um, Thank card. you for patronizing. <laughs> so a series of anonymous denunciations and illicit activities of a number of police officers on the Mu Brigade, which is the Vice Squad, were publicly revealed, and the people who were accused were speedily charged and jailed. So basically what was happening in 1972 where there were some police who were getting paid by hotel workers that were allowing prostitution to happen. People got upset, reported it, and then the the people who were being accused, the hotel workers, were basically being charged and jailed. The scandal of August 1972 brought about the sudden total collapse of the collusion that had existed between procurers and police. With a new team in place, a return to the type of reasoning and logic particular to police functioning, which intended to put an end to the corruption. Freshly graduated from the police school, the new chief of the Mez made it his primary objective to rebuild the facade of his considerably discredited institution. He brought a firm attitude towards prostitutes, cracked down on prostitution. Citations for incitement to debauchery became all the more frequent, now that the hotel closures had forced the women to stand out in the streets longer and turn their tricks in alleys or clients' cars. Resentment against the police was all the more bitter given that simultaneously the various police services seemed to lose all interest in their safety. From March to August 1974, three of their own were murdered. The police found no trace of the perpetrators because they didn't look, claimed the victim's indignant colleagues. Sex workers must fight for their lives. Serial murderers and rapists target prostitutes and police compound the violence with a sloppy murder scene. Okay, there was resentment building against the police because they basically weren't doing a thorough job and they weren't protecting these sex workers. Basically, there were three murders that happened in a short period of time and they weren't really investigating them because they just said, eh, and didn't take it seriously. And the sex workers were having enough. So at this point, we're going to go ahead and put a trigger warning for sexual violence. Globally, sex workers have 45 to 75% chance of experiencing sexual violence at some point in their careers. One in five police reports of sexual assault from an impoverished area in the U.S. emergency room were filed by sex workers. Wow. Sex workers aren't frequently protected by the rape shield laws. New York and Ohio are the only two states that explicitly exclude being a prostitute as a character evidence for a rape victim. That is crazy. So I'm a prostitute and I get raped, whether it's with a John or anything, anyone else, because I'm a prostitute, I'm not protected under the law. Right, they basically, the defense would then say, you know what, she's a prostitute. She's screwed hundreds of guys. She clearly wanted it. Hmm. 
Right. The rape shield law limits the ability for the defendant's counsel to introduce the accuser's sexual history as evidence during a rape trial. And right now, New York and Ohio are the only ones that have that law. So basically, if you were a sex worker and somebody assaulted you, they could character assassinate you with the, oh, well, you are a sex worker. So therefore, I have no claim to yes. my accusation of rape. Yes. Because... So you're only protected in two states. Wow. Right. So if I want to become a prostitute, go to New York or Ohio? Or Ohio. Okay. All right. I would suggest, Noted. I would suggest New York, though. <laughs> Sometimes sex workers are arrested when they report violence, including trafficking to the police. Therefore, they rarely report to the police. In 2007, Philadelphia judge Teresa Card Denny called gang rape of a sex worker at gunpoint theft of services and refused to allow prosecution to press aggravated sexual assault charges, stating in an interview, it minimizes true rape cases and demeans women who really are raped. So there were many serial killers whose victims tended to be sex workers, people like Gary Ridgway, Robert Hansen, Joel Rifkin, Robert Picton, and Steve Wright, not to be confused with Stephen Wright, the one-liner. One, one of my favorite comedians, comedians. yes. Uh, in 1985, in Miami, 19 black women were suspected prostitutes and they were all found dead with small amounts of cocaine in their system. So the Miami-Dade County Medical Examiner, Charles Wealthy, MD, performed the autopsies and he declared that the cause of death was an excited delirium from, quote, sexual excitement. So while servicing their clients high on cocaine, he's saying that they suffered from this, quote, excited delirium. Shortly after that, a 14-year-old was murdered in the same area, but had zero traces of cocaine in her system. So this prompted Wealthy's boss, chief medical examiner, Joseph Davies, to exhume the bodies and re-examine them, only to discover that they had signs of asphyxiation and reclassify their deaths as homicides. So just let's take it back for a second. So their cause of death was literally excited delirium from sexual excitement. Yes. That so their... Apparently, that's how the medical examiner classified all 19 of their deaths. And so they, they, they found a little bit of cocaine in their system. And that's, it wasn't like, they didn't say a coronary or they literally said excited delirium. Yes. It so sounds made up. <laughs> it's, that doesn't sound like a real thing. Well, it, like it is made thing. up. But it was made up by a medical examiner. It's not like it was made up by the media. Right, right. I mean, it's supposed to be, well, you know, we read that and it's from a medical examiner and we're like, oh, okay, well, that's a thing. <laughs> well, I was so a... excited with that little bit of cocaine in the sex that I died. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, and, and, and it's a new thing that happens only to these 19 black women in this community. <laughs> right, who had a little bit of cocaine, even though there's other people who have more traces of cocaine in their body but not right dying so note to any anybody listening cocaine and sex equals death yes <laughs> exactly according to charles welty but he died last year so i don't think he'll be doing your autopsy gotcha good there's another very famous serial killer jack the ripper who had kind of the same situation except officially only two of his victims were prostitutes mary jane and elizabeth the other women were thought to be just because they were poor and they were either divorced women or they had a child out of wedlock. And so therefore there was a disdain and disgust from the respectable society for these women. And so not a whole lot of uh, empathy. No. 
In early 1975, women started receiving tax notices on estimation of their earnings. Some notices included government claims for back taxes. But so, imagine, I mean, getting starting to get tax notices on... An estimation of your earnings. <laughs> right. <laughs> A law was reactivated condemning repeated soliciting offenders to prison terms, punishing any person who had to pay several fines for the same offense in the same city the same year. That's kind of crazy as well, right? I mean, it's just, it's, we're continuing to just keep punishing these women. They keep punishing them. They, they're taking away, they, they don't have rights because now they can't go to the law enforcement in case something happens. So they don't have the protection. Then they want them to pay taxes for the protection they're not getting. And back you know, taxes. And back taxes. <laughs> and then they're only assuming like, oh, well, we speculate that this is how much you're making. So this is what you're going to owe us. But they don't benefit from where their tax pay their tax money is going to because the, the police aren't going to protect them. And then basically, if you're a repeat offender, they're going to throw you in jail. Well, and can you imagine that CPA having to... Uh... <laughs> Do you have any uh, records from your 1099? Trying to figure that out. Did you write the guy a receipt? Wasn't it Jerry Springer that wrote a check? He wrote a check. That's how he got, that's how he got caught. Is that he, bought, he brought ink and paper into that transaction. Right. He no. Had, he Jerry Springer, a, yeah. yeah. He hired a prostitute. And he paid with a check. <laughs> and so they cool. were able to find that i think he was like was he was he already 80s. he was kind of had a a road to politics he was, he, well no before he had his talk show he was like the mayor of cincinnati right. or something right? so he i hope this wasn't while he was that mayor. i think that's why he is now a talk show host is because his political career was ended by writing a check to a prostitute that could be incorrect but so the prospect of prison deeply affected the prostitutes since it raised the real threat of having their activity discovered by their parents or children and worst of all, losing legal custody of those children. Never which, even thought about that, but yeah. Which they're... is a definitely a, you know, one of those consequences that I think that we forget is how that affects their, their family dynamic. Yeah, you know? and if it, you're found out, does that in the eyes of the courts make you an unfit parent? Well, that kind of goes back to your Stormy Daniels episode, right? I don't think it makes makes you an unfit parent. Well, of course you don't they think manipulated, so. Manipulated, yeah. It in goes the eyes back, of the law, the, yeah, she made sure to negotiate that and made her husband at the time before they had a child get into porn so he couldn't use that as leverage. That right. is a good point, Bad Good. I, I told you I'm a fan. I've listened to you. Well, now you're much one everything. of us. Yes, one yes. of us. One I'm still of a fan. Us. <laughs> I'm still a fan. <laughs> okay, so on the morning of Monday, June 2nd, 1975, approximately 100 women moved into the Church of Nazir in the city of Loin, France, led by their leader, Ola. These women remained inside the church for more than a week, becoming the center of local and national media attention supported by political and union organizations and feminist organizations as well. Was this 100 prostitutes or just women who supported the cause? 100 sex workers. Wow, okay. Abolitionists formed the Movement du Nid, which in English means nest movement. However, the Nid's objective was to work for a world without prostitution. The organization had been founded by priests, giving the organization full religious legitimacy and fairly easy access to local Catholic hierarchy. How did the sex workers fighting for working sex conditions and rights align with a group looking to get rid of the world of prostitutes? That's what I want to know. Liberation theology. 
the idea of setting someone free from social, political, and economic oppression as anticipated in ultimate salvation. Hmm. So they were trying to save them. According to this movement, prostitution is an activity incompatible with respect for human dignity. Was the idea here is to get away from the legal ramifications of it, but let's bring them into the church and let and and then we'll save them. Like let's not right. save we them. We have the by... ties. We have we have the ties to cat to Catholic hierarchy. Right. We can come in and we can save them. So maybe if they'll listen to us and we work with them, they'll respond to us better and we can get through to them. So we help them by making it legal, but then we turn them away from it by giving them God. Yes. Okay. They gotcha. wanted to convert gotcha. them to good, God-fearing Catholic women. Sure. And hope that by saying we're aware of what you're doing, mm. maybe that's... you'll want to change it on your own. The parish priest of St. Nazir was not hard to convince to support these women. He had known some of the women, and they would come to the church regularly as devout Catholics, and he refused to call the police on them. Father Louise Blanc supported the cause by stating Mary Magdalene, to whom Jesus appeared, was a prostitute. Being our guy who was raised in a church, could you give us information on Mary Magdalene? Well, yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad that I'm your, your you know, our your religious expert, expert. <laughs> on religion. <laughs> You're the closest I, thing we got here, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, for full disclosure, I'm, I'm non-practicing and I grew up in the, um, the Eastern Orthodox Catholic Church. Um, so my memories of this and, and the knowledge of, of my, my Bible uh, characters is, is, is very limited. But what I find interesting about the whole Mary Magdalene thing is that I was raised to, to know that she was a prostitute, hung out with Jesus, became one of, uh, one of the apostles, so to speak, and you know, was there at his crucifixion, uh, was there um, at his burial, and was one of his, you know, most trusted, you know, people that 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 was that was in his circle. But what I later found out too is that uh, you don't really hear about her being a prostitute all that much anymore. Um, I didn't know. No. So one of the Catholic popes, I believe it was Paul the Fourth, they ended up just taking that part out of scripture. <laughs> so what? they they Wait, stopped you... calling her. Or they stopped referring to her as a prostitute, and we've just kind of—that's all stories that we hear from people who knew of the story before it was omitted from the text. They can so, selectively tell the stories. Um, apparently, apparently. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you can revise the Bible, right? Um, if you're in power, this is what happened because uh, in in five ninety one, Pope Gregory began portraying. Mary Magdalene as a prostitute in a series of Eastern sermons. He declared her as an unnamed sinful woman and anointed Jesus's feet and represented a prostitute. So that's interesting because you're saying that a Pope went in and, and deemed her a, a prostitute, prostitute and then another Pope came in and said, let's just take that out. Yes. Yeah, I don't like that one bit and I'll tell you why. <laughs> I feel like you're taking this personal. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I don't like it at all. I, I, I don't want to offend religious people because sure. you can believe what you want, but the people that I know take the scripture mm -hmm. very seriously and very literally. Absolutely. And when people in charge are changing the words that are presented to you, 
you know, and you're using that to judge other people. Well, I mean, it's right in your face too. Look at the New Testament, the King James Version. Like, so there's a version, like we can just make a different translation, a different version, a different take, a different perspective on. You're right. And if I'm not Wait. mistaken, the King James Version of the Bible is like the number one selling book of all time, right? Correct. Wait. King James isn't LeBron? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought of that too. Like, I, you know, I thought I was I, like, wow. I just made the connection with why he calls himself, or they call him that. Yeah, so I've always had a problem with when you take something that's supposed to be the word of God, and I'm putting that in air quotes for people who can't see, and then you allow fallible men to edit, revise, and put their own spin on things. It's, it's what can you really take from that? Um, uh, is that a means of control? Is it actually the word of God? What is it? So, you know, I think that's right. right, It's it's right that people question these things. Well, with religion too, the Christian religion considers her a sinner while the Catholic calls her a saint. Right. So it's all still. And all believers in Christ as well. So, and if you, if you're down with Christ, then why are you knocking his girl? I mean, and, and according to, to most religion, I mean, there's there's no real perfection in, in anybody. And there's there's a little bit of sin, a little bit of grace in everything. So we're supposed to embrace that, that part of us that's infallible, right? Because that's what makes us human. Mm-hmm. But we also put so much onto people for being okay with not being perfect or not living their, their, their lives the way that society deems the way. That's what they should do, right? So when you're an outlier, you get cast out, but you're able to kind of do whatever you want to do, whether it's persecute other people or hurt other people, as long as you're living the quote unquote correct way in society. Which is ever so changing according to whoever has the power. You're right. So what do we actually believe? Is there any sort of like one set of morality or one set of rules that we're supposed to follow, except for it changes constantly? Yeah, right. and then there's always like new interpretations, like, no, that's not what it meant. Right, because <laughs> they were there and were able to, like, that's not what he meant back in year two. There was concern about the Archbishop Cardinal Renard at the church. He had recently arrived in Loin from Rome with a mission to bring the clergy back under control after an incident that happened in 1968. Remember, this is 1975. So they just brought him in from something that happened in 1968. But the church personnel boycotted him and Cardinal Renald gave up authority and devoted himself to prayer. So pretty much he just said, fuck it, I'm gonna pray. So occupying a church presented its advantages. It was a solid guarantee against the possibility of eviction. It was considered a neutral space, an asylum for the misfortuned and the oppressed. But above all, it provided a place where the women could protest without being exposed. So the idea then is anybody who wants to protest in a church, you've got protection from everybody, from the law, from the clergy, from- As long as the clergy is on board and okay, we're not gonna Uh, call the police, then you're protected. I gotcha. But if Hmm. they call the police, then you're done. So, I mean, that sounds like a cool thing, but it's also kind of a, a, we're trying to wrangle you in here yeah giving you the safe space how cool are we now let's talk check us out check us out i like that that's good salesmanship right there and and you've (laughs) got the church heavily intertwined with law enforcement though which is a little concerning right 
The occupation refused to allow photographers or television cameras to take any frontal images of them, insisting no images of their faces. And during the eight-day occupation, police refused to engage with the protesters' grievances and only threatened to increase harsh punishment while they protested. So basically, the police were like, oh, well, we're not going to help you. And you're going to get in big trouble. Yeah, it sounded like a parent to me saying, when I get home, you are going to be in such big trouble. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) The police threatened to have the protesters' children removed. Many women in the town joined the occupation in solidarity, challenging the police to take their children too. So now you're having women in the town joining in saying, oh, here, take mine too. (laughs) Which I don't necessarily think would be a bad thing. But they were supporting. <laughs> no, well, I, I guess the idea, like I, oh, I asked before, all parents kind of went, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take my time. Think I'm of the naps. So I had asked earlier if the hundred initial protesters were all sex workers or just people who supported the cause, and they were originally just the sex workers, but now we're getting other. People now we're in getting the other women in the community stepping up. And protesting with them. Well, again, you know, how brave of them to sacrifice their kids. Like, they're not going to jail. They're like, take my kid to jail. Take little Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) My mother would have been on board with that protest, I think. (laughs) More sex workers then followed suit by occupying a total of five French churches. Montpierre, Toulouse, Cannes, and the Chapel of St. Bernard de Montpasse in Paris. Approximately 20,000 French sex workers nationwide went down tools in solidarity. Do you guys know what down tools means? I do not. What does that mean? Can we get? Can we guess? Sure, right. guess. I'm, I'm not. I have no idea, but you go first. Connor. Okay. Well, I think that every profession has tools. If a doctor were to put down his or her instruments or a construction team puts down their hammer and screwdriver. So I think that all of the sex workers used whatever tools they had at their disposal. So their vagina. I was, yeah. Oh, is that what this is? Were they, were they, basically, were they basically saying, um, we're going to refrain from sex and you guys are all going to see what it's like? I like where you're going yeah. with that. That's what I it like was. That's what it was. That. I think, I'm, yeah. They all stopped. The murder of sex workers stopped during this time. The women found camaraderie with other sex workers and working with other women, plus the support they were receiving from people, showed the police that the people were watching them and were concerned with the police activity. So we've got hundreds of people in church, in all these churches, five different churches throughout France, 20,000 French sex workers protesting in solidarity for their demands. What did they even want? They demanded the dropping of all jail sentences people were facing in loins, abolish the law concerning jail sentences for repeat offenders, abolition of Article 34, incitement of debauchery. Incitement of debauchery? Yeah. So in October of 1793, not 1973, but this was hundreds of years before, the Commune of Paris issued a regulatory order forbidding prostitutes to stand in public spaces, right? Doing what they called inciting debauchery. Hmm. And so although that led to arrests and sanitary control of more than 400 prostitutes at the time, in 1794, this decree didn't prevent the continued development of prostitution particularly in the Palais Royal, which became the first sex market in the capital of Paris. So there were many, what they called daughters, the crisscross, the garden paths and galleries of the palace and erotic shows and shops dedicated to prostitution. So this is an old term from a mm. couple hundred years ago that they called incitement to debauchery. 
So they basically wanted to abolish a law from 1793. Well, I mean, even take the word debauchery. So I, I've never looked it up. I just knew it from context. But if you actually look up the definition, it's excessive indulgence in sensual pleasures. Now, who determines what's excessive, right? <laughs> right. And, and why is sensual pleasure a crime? Right, right, right. No, that. no, no. Sensual pleasure is not a crime. Too much. It's the crime. Oh, right. Having too much. <laughs> is, I, is, I think you've had too much. Right. Yeah, yeah. Come on. That's a three times today, you're going to jail. Connor, <laughs> you are going to jail, buddy. Two is the limit. So they also wanted to meet with a government representative capable of understanding the problems of prostitutes and finding grounds for agreement. They wanted to reopen hotels and neighborhoods where prostitutes work and enforce laws allowing to reunify sex workers in society. On the morning of June 10th, the police forcibly cleared the church, acting on orders from the government. The government, not the clergy. Oh, good distinction. Mm. Yeah. So what happened? They had just hit their patience threshold and the government said... Just kind of banged on the up. doors and said... The Minister of Interior claimed the women were manipulated by pimps into occupying the church. So basically saying wow. that they weren't capable of doing this, that they're being manipulated by pimps. Hmm. The women's right minister refused to meet with them, claiming she was incompetent in this matter. Ola, the fearless leader, had her real name and photo printed in the press, so they exposed her identity. However, the occupation was a success. Many that were threatened with fines were written off. A serious investigation into the murder of their peers began. International Sex Workers Day started in 1975 when sex workers of France banded together because they were sick and tired of being harassed and abused by the same people who used their services. They were tired of cops and just tired in general. So they're not talking about just the cops, right? They're just talking about the entire community that used their services that supported them, but then wasn't there to protect them. Yes. Sure. Kind of threw them under the bus. I mean, when you think about sex work too, do you think that that, that even the people who patronize their services are, are very um, good to these people as well? No, I think that a lot of uh, times they're probably not. They don't right. respect them for reals. Right. Sex worker allies exist wherever people see past the stigma and stereotypes and connect to their shared humanity and the right to not just safety, but also dignity. Nobody deserves or should expect or even accept violence, oppression, marginalization, regardless of their background, work, or social status. Right. Oh, so this is one of those topics where this might not be your fight, but if you're willing to protect someone else in your community, if you stand up too. If you believe in humanity and, and want to fight against depression, that's not just, shouldn't just be on the subject that you care about. It should be on the whole spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. So for every episode, we like to suggest a charity for our listeners to donate to. And for this episode, we suggest sexworkersproject.org. The Sex Workers Project provides client-centered legal and social services to individuals who engage in sex work, regardless of what they do, whether it's by choice, circumstance, or coercion. The attorneys there help clients remain in a stable housing, access safer working conditions, and employment options, protecting their legal rights in family court, clear their criminal records, secure legal immigration status, and fight police misconduct and hate crimes. The social workers provide long-term support therapy and case management, creating best practices for an emerging field. 
If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review. It really helps push us and, and get us through the algorithm and helps push us to the top of the list. So we really appreciate if you could give us a five-star review. In fact, Connor is pushing for 100. So let's let Connor get his 100. I think we can get there. I think we can too. So come on, guys. Let's give us that 100. And um, you can follow us on Instagram at Madams, Hose, and Gigolos. Madams, Hose, H-E-A-U-X-S, and Gigolos. We have an Amazon wish list, so if there's a topic you want, go ahead and search MHG Podcast on Amazon's wish list. And if you like a topic, go ahead and send us the book. We'll make sure to shout you out. As always, thank you for listening. 